Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. Listening to Your Highness Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by Jennifer Wetzel of the Women in Cannabis Study. How are you doing today, Jennifer? I'm doing great, Diana. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Slowly waking up, but I'm <laughs> I, I, I'm getting there. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of coffee and I'm I'm feeling pretty awake, which is good. So <laughs> Um, I know you're an early person, so you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've been up since four. I've had had a couple coffees. I've I've had my morning cannabis, so I'm ready to go. You said said it's four. Yeah, that's my typical wake up time. Wow. So this is like midday for you. Yeah. After we're done, I'll go have lunch. Wow. I I mean, I woke up at six, and I'm like, I'm ready to have lunch, but I should probably. <laughs> That's just because I'm always ready to eat. But anyway, um, so we're going to start this episode with our recurring segment called Fave Pot and Fave Not Pot, where we talk about our favorite cannabis-related item and our favorite non-cannabis-related item. Um, And I'm going to start with my Fave Pot. I was sent um, a sample of, uh, it's called Nano Fast Acting Good Stuff Beverage Co. Beverage, it's the Good Stuff Beverage Company. Um, and they sent me a bottle of their Indica Calm Cannabis Infused Strawberry Hibiscus Lemonade. And in the whole bottle, it's 100 milligrams of THC. And I was tempted to literally drink the whole thing all at once because <laughs> it is so good. It was delicious. Um, it's terpene infused, and I definitely could taste that. It's like I, I mixed it with a little bit of ginger ale, and it was like the perfect, perfect mocktail. So uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yes, and you uh, you can get their products. Let me just make sure. Well, I don't know where you can get it in California, actually. So I would just say go to their website, uh, The Good Stuff Co. So. All right. What is your fave pot right now, Jennifer? You know, I get to, I get to see a lot of products. Um, especially because I host a a networking event for growers here in Maine. Um, But I'm actually going to talk about a book because I'm a reader. Um, And the book I want to mention is The Medical Cannabis Primer by Dr. Ruth Fisher. And there is actually an ad for this this book in the Women in Cannabis Study Report. Um, And I like it because uh, Dr. Ruth and her brother did, um, well, Dr. Ruth did a significant amount of data gathering from published studies and uh, lots of stuff that there is about cannabis. And she put together this book to help newbies really understand what cannabis is and what it's about. A lot of charts and graphs, which I love. Um, I, I bet no one's shocked by that. Um, <laughs> I love looking at them, just not making them. <laughs> yeah, well, I love making them and I appreciate it when people look at them. So we make a good pair. <laughs> Um, but you know, if, if you don't know much about cannabis or how to use it to treat a medical issues, um, it's a really good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to check that out because that's new to me and it sounds like a good read. 
Um, so my fave not pot is actually a book as well. Um, it is called White Feminism, and the author is Koa Beck. And it addresses today's conversation about race empowerment and inclusion in America. Um, and it talks about the history of feminism and like how it was capitalized and, and turned into a whole marketing campaign. Um, it's a very interesting read and I recommend it highly. <laughs> What's your fave not pot? I will have to check out that book. Um, but I, I also have another book um, and it is the 1619 project. I just finished it and it was, unbelievably enlightening and powerful and painful. Um, and I would say it's the most impactful book I've read so far on the topic wow. of race in this country. And I think this is going to do the most for me in helping me understand what's wrong in this country and how to be a better ally, how to be a better support person. Um, so if you have not read this one, it is, um, it is really an, an important one. I had it on my list for a while. So I'm going to bump it up because I, I'm definitely interested in that. It sounds really good. Really good. Sounds really good. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Really impactful is what I meant to say. I love reading these books that are so impactful. I've been on such a like nonfiction kick lately. I, I just, I, I can't even think of the last time I read a fiction book actually, which is weird. I never thought I'd say that, but that's where I am right now. <laughs> So, uh, switching gears a little bit, your study titled Women in Cannabis, A Living History, um, it's an extensive study of, what, 1,500 or 1,600 people, women? Um, it's over 1,600. We had, um, you know, a large number of, over 1,600 women start the the, um, quali or the quantitative survey. Not everybody made it all the way through, but most made it, you know, close to the end. Um, so between the quantitative and the interviews, yeah, well over 1,600 women um, participated. That's amazing. Um, and when I first met you, uh, the study was in its infancy, and it was during a time when the idea of women having an equitable stake in the industry seemed like more of a possibility than it does now. How has your view of women having equity in cannabis changed since the project began? That is an excellent question. And I would say at the beginning, I had a much more hopeful view and maybe my perspective was a little bit Pollyanna-ish, yeah. perhaps, yeah. but that's why we gather data and listen to the stories and quantify to show that, you know, it's really not how things are going. And, you know, it's been two and a half years since I started this project and we've had a pandemic and the world has changed significantly. And what I would say is that I think things have only gotten worse. You know, I, I, I've been to some events recently and I see um, uh, significantly fewer women at events than I did um, in 2019. You know, I hear more stories of sexism and harassment. You know, the, the numbers of funding that go to women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses has dropped significantly. Um, you know, I hear stories about women getting pushed out of the companies that they've started or that, that their company has been stolen from them. Yeah, I hear stories about women getting demoted or fired um, and after doing a spectacular job, but then their position is filled uh, by a man with half the experience and is paid more because, you know, it's a buddy. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, one of the most interesting things that I'm going to take away from this study, I think, well, there's a lot of those, but 
I think that the numbers um, that came out a bunch of years ago about having such a high percentage of women in uh, ownership and C-suite roles, I think those numbers are are not right, yes. honestly. Yes. yes. Um, and here's why I think that. You know, in in our study, um, we had a lot of business owners in our study. So almost 500 business owners uh, responded to this study. And if I compare those women to those who work at a, at a company for someone else, and I look at how many people are in their company, mm-hmm. 47% of the business owners in my study, it's just them. It is a one-woman enterprise, almost half. Then another 44%, that's 91% of the business owners in my study have five or fewer people working for them. Mm-hmm. And then when you compare that to employees who work at, at other companies, 82% of them work for a business with six or more employees. So they work mm. for bigger companies. Right. So when, I think the number used to be like 33% of, of you know, C-suite roles are women. I don't think that's necessarily – like I don't think we're comparing apples and oranges here. I think I'm a CEO, you know. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you made that point. Uh, Not to cut you off, but that is so, that has been on my mind so much lately. Like even thinking, going through your study and referencing it in my, you know, I I will have it referenced in an article or two coming up, right? But it really had me thinking about when we were talking about this, when you you started it, right? Like how excited. I was a Pollyanna too. I just thought pop Pollyanna in my brain. <laughs> we were pop Pollyannas. And I remember trying to write an article for Civilized or one of those publications back then. And I was like, so, you know, women can take over. I had that attitude, like, yes. And everyone I had interviewed, for the most part, who had been in the industry already much longer than I had been, was like, yeah, no. <laughs> this is not what you think it is. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> but it, it is true. And, and it's so true that we are not comparing apples and oranges because we can't really, right? It's not possible right now. Um, but yeah, so in the study, one statistic that really stands out is that 45% of the women who have participated experience bullying from other women. And like we just said, you're not comparing apples to oranges, but that is something that is a little bit more analogous to other industries. Um, What were some of the more surprising anecdotes you received about this barrier to success? Well, you know, this, this was an interesting question because, you know, we were talking about allyship and, um, you know, how can others be supportive? And so, you know, we asked questions about um, harassment from from men, and we asked about um, this bullying and lack of support from other women. And, you know, while I was surprised at the high percentage of women who have experienced this, I was also not surprised. Um, You know, there are plenty of women out there who are um, either consciously or subconsciously upholding and defending the patriarchy and the system, because it works for them, you know, because they feel they had to sacrifice to get where they, they are. And they're maybe not willing to share the power or make things easier for those coming up after, you know? And the other thing I'll say is that there's, there's two sides to every story. And sometimes we're the victim and sometimes we're the bully. Right. And we have to take responsibility for our own actions and sit with our own discomfort about things we may have done where we were the asshole in the situation. And so we need to, be introspective and change our behaviors and be better people, you know, but, you know, 
we did get some some open-ended comments uh, from the women in the study. And, you know, for example, um, one woman said, not everyone arrives at the same level of consciousness at the same time. Mm. Forgiveness mm. and how we handle ourselves makes a world of difference and professionalism and compassion are necessary. And wow. I think that's really important. That is poignant. I mean, truly, like that is exactly what I'm working on right now. <laughs> and then there's other comments like, you know, unfortunately, women have been crueler to me than men have in this industry, um, but never women of my own generation. They are typically older and they've been awful to work with and for. Wow. Um, one said, plenty of women are dismissive if you're not doing something they think is impressive. That is so and true. Then, right. And then another one said, <laughs> Another one said there's a lot of judgment and clicks in the industry, like high school. It's like high school sometimes. All the time. <laughs> I was really hoping to get out of high school, but man, I'm 51 years old and it still feels like it sometimes. Right? I mean, I'm still smoking pot. <laughs> I'm still rolling my eyes at things. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it is very clicky and I think we need to have more discussions of that. Like, let's break this whole aesthetic thing. You know what I mean? Like people don't want things to fit in. They want to fit into boxes, right? Like, that's what I mean. It's like, you're, you're, you have a background in branding. So you know what I'm talking about? Like there is an aesthetic I see that is very common. It's like upbeat and pretty and fluffy and bright and all of that. And it's like, that's wonderful. For some people. <laughs> right, it doesn't work for everyone. Right. And um, I think that, I think like we have to kind of be more holistic with our approach as women in this industry, you know, like for lack of a better word, look at the big picture, you know, uh, because we all are going through so many different things and it's, it's hard for us to consider that all the time, you know? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. especially, and, and I'll say this, you know, there's a lot of, people, a lot of women out there who are in pain. And sometimes it's hard to see past your own pain to really even understand that there's anybody else out there but you. Yeah, um, that's true. That is so true. So, and, you know, we don't know what's going on in other people's heads. There were decades that I was like a mess. Yeah. Just a mess of pain and symptoms and addiction. And I, I was so, I was drowning in my own pain yeah. and I couldn't yeah. see past it. And I'm not in pain anymore. And my entire life has changed. You know, my uh, my ability to be compassionate has returned. And sometimes when you're in pain, you just can't be because you can't even be compassionate for yourself. Right. That's that's so true. And especially when it's just so all consuming, you know. Um, so getting back to the study, I'm going to quote it right now. By collecting data and creating knowledge, we now understand how women are faring in the cannabis industry. Not well. And whether we are doing enough to support women, their careers, and their professional goals, we are not. As someone who regularly reports on the lack of support for women, I know how depressing it can be. Did you have any moments during the project that made you so frustrated you wanted to stop? What helped you get through all of this depressing data? I wanted to stop every single day. Yeah. Every day. You know, I, you know, this was this was a um, a passion project that I did in my spare time with my own money, using mostly volunteers. And right, there were some people that I paid that I was very disappointed in the results, and it was that was hard to take. Um, 
and you know a pandemic happened and I was trying to recover from burnout and you know there was there's a lot to do but what I'll say you know I kept going because I was carrying the weight of all these stories you mm-hmm. know these women trusted me with their stories and I couldn't just let them sit on my hard drive and not do any good right um, so every single person that I talked to between when I started the study and when I published the study um thanked me for what I was doing and encouraged me to keep going. And so I did. Um, And I did that even without the promise of a payoff. You know, I didn't raise any money to do this. I still trying to monetize the, the, the work that I did and get paid for my expertise, you know, but it was important. And so I finished it. And you did a fantastic job. I mean, I am, I'm not going to lie. When I found out you were still doing this study years later, I was shocked. I was surprised. Like I was excited. I was just, I felt really good about the fact that you were still doing this. Like there were so many different emotions because I couldn't believe that you still were able to get through all of that. And with the, the limited resources you had still were able to produce such a fantastic comprehensive illustration of what really is going on in this industry. I mean, this is so needed. And you knew that years ago and you kept going. I mean, that is determination. If nothing else is, you know, like that is just so amazing. I'm just so proud of you. Not that you need my (laughs) approval or anything like that, but I just think it's amazing that you did this. And um, I, I, I have one more question before we end. So we talked about all of the barriers um, that women are facing in this industry. What do you hope this study will do ultimately to highlight these struggles? You know, those, those struggles would include things like shame and stigma for using cannabis and working in the industry, you know, fear and harassment and self-esteem issues and balance and self-care issues. And what I hope is that, the women who read this report find solace and comfort and community in this, in the stories and in the data and, and feel that, you know, whatever's happened to you has probably happened to someone else and you're not alone. And then I really hope that it illuminates these struggles to our allies because, you know, often when I share some of these stories with my guy friends, they're shocked You know, and once I can get them to really see and understand the struggles, they can't unsee it. You know, then they see examples of misogyny and racism and sexism everywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to recognize it to be able to take a stand and be a real ally. And sometimes we have to help others see. And so I hope this helps others see that. I hope so as well, because... I am seeing a lot more um, media around women are, are are taking over cannabis again. You know, it seems to be a cycle. Every few years, there's like a, an, a little proliferation, just a little boost of, hey, everybody's doing great. We're all great. <laughs> you know, and like it, it, we all know that it's not who, are, you know, we all being the women that are in, in this industry and especially people who are not in these um c-suite positions you know and even the ones that are in the good positions just before we recorded this i found out that a source of mine who was working for one of the biggest cannabis brands out there was receiving child care reimbursement 
Um, and then she was going to go on record to talk about it. And right before she went to answer my questions, they called her into a meeting and told her her position was no longer needed. Ugh. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm hearing more and more of these types of stories, you know, I mean, the bullying and all of that I've been hearing for a long time, but I'm hearing a lot more of this type of a thing where it's like, well, they were giving me these awesome benefits and then they just fired me, you know, or disconnected me from all of my emails and kicked me out of the system and things like that. Like there's, there's no, there's no support system in place. Um, but I'm so glad that we have this data now to reference <laughs> because this is like one of the best and easiest ways to show somebody like, see, see, <laughs> and it also helps uh, people like me who strive to tell the truth through storytelling. Um, so I really appreciate this on so many levels and I appreciate you. Um, so before we end this episode, Is there anything that the cannabis community can do to best support you both personally and professionally? Yes. And I would start with go read the report. It is available on the website for free. It's womenincannabis.study. I made it free to to view so that price wouldn't be an access to reading the the data and the stories. Um, I would ask if you read it, screenshot the and share the data points and the stories that you think are important and encourage conversation on social media because it is a long report and not everybody's going to sit down and read all 280 pages. So put it out there. Um, and that way we can get people getting little bites of information all over the place. I love um, that. That yeah, is such a fantastic I, idea. I should start telling people to do that with my articles. Don't read the whole thing. Just screenshot it. Just screenshot it. Exactly. It's more realistic, right? Absolutely. Um. And, then, and then, you know, financially, this was an expensive project. Right. Um, and so there are links on the website to donate if you feel like it. Uh, you can purchase a copy of the report for, um, you know, online access or a PDF download. And we're actually working on a print version, which is going to be very cool. Um, And, you know, it's time for us to do another round of research. You know, this data was gathered in 2019 before the pandemic. And my hope was that it would be a longitudinal study and we'd repeat the the data gathering every few years. So it's time, but I'm not, I can't pay for it again. So now we need sponsors um, to help pay for future research efforts. Right. I was just going, I was going to ask you that, even though I I hadn't told you I was going to ask you that because it was a natural (laughs) progression. What was the, what's the next step, you know? And yes, we do need to continue because it's always changing. I mean, just in the last five years since this podcast has began, like it, it has the different, you know, (laughs) cycles I've seen and uh, the people who have left the industry and then come back. And I mean, in different roles, it's, ever-changing. So before we end, um, since you're on here and we are both affiliated with This Is Jane Project, um, I just want to make an announcement that we will be starting a limited series on the podcast um, and we'll be discussing trauma and how it intersects with plant medicine. Um, They will be more general in nature, meaning that they won't be cannabis specific. Um, it will be focused more on trauma with some elements of plant medicine intersection, um, because I think that it's a very important topic to discuss in this industry. 
And so we will be uh, doing a limited series in partnership with This Is Gene Project, which is a nonprofit that helps trauma survivors uh, obtain um, their medical cannabis and also has a variety of compassionate care programs and other different uh, types of things for people who are um, survivors of trauma to experience that can help them ease into the transition of the cannabis industry a little a little easier. That was yeah. that was superfluous. Anyway, <laughs> um, check out <laughs> check out this is Jane Project and uh, also stay tuned because our first episode of the trauma series will air at the end of April. So anyway, um, now for real before we end, is there anything else that you'd like to promote, Jen, before we go? Jennifer, Mary. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll just remind people of the website. It's womenincannabis.study, and that's where you can access the report for free. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining today. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. And please come back anytime. I will, Diana. Thanks, and I appreciate you as well. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.